You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. A scripture this morning uh, is taken from the seventh chapter of Matthew, beginning with the uh, 24th verse. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains fell, The floods came, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd was astounded at his teachings, for he taught them as them having authority and not as their scribes. Um, I... uh, Normally, uh, read my Bible out of a, um, <clears throat> get ready for this, a large print. And uh, to be sure I was matching what was on the screen this morning, I was reading from a small print. And I think I need to go back to the large print. Uh, mm, some of the things that we do as we get older. Um, the, uh, today I'm going to talk about why I love the church. And uh, as I was reading the scripture this week, uh, it became clear to me that some of the things that I love about the church are things that, that uh, cause there to be a solid foundation under the church. Uh, you know, he talks about the house in the scripture there. Uh, well, I guess I'm talking this morning about the church house and all. And um, so uh, I'll, I'll be, I hope you'll, uh, as, as I list some of these things, that you'll be thinking of uh, things that you love about the church. Maybe some of the things I say will be like yours, maybe not, but uh, I hope that that'll help you uh, think of some of those things. Um, one of the ways that I think about the church is all the different churches I've been a part of uh, throughout my uh, life. From birth on, actually. Um, in 1981, <clears throat> that's not when I was born, by the way. But in 1981, uh, I moved to Oklahoma uh, to uh, a little town. Uh, I moved there to go to school in Tulsa. And uh, I was pastor of a little church in a little town called Ulaga, uh, which is their claim to fame was the birthplace of Will Rogers. Um, and uh, you know how it is when a new preacher comes to your church. Everybody's kind of anticipating it, maybe kind of in a good way, maybe not in a, maybe they love the former pastor, and which was the case where I was going. And uh, they were a little suspicious. Uh, they knew I was from Louisiana, but I don't think they knew if I was a Louisiana redneck or if I was a Louisiana Cajun. But neither of which would have been okay to them. 
uh, and all. And so I preached my first sermon at that church and I thought it went pretty well. And uh, then things went along. And some months later, when I was more familiar with everything, uh, uh, somehow the conversation came up about my first sermon and I said well I thought it was okay and the person I was talking to it said well several people said you talk funny and I said talk funny what do you mean he said well you kind of talk slower than we do you got a southern drawl now who would have imagined that I would have a southern drawl uh, and all. But uh, in any event, uh, it does remind me of a story between about a Cajun and an, and an Oki. Uh, the Oki was walking, both of them walking along a path, and um, the uh, Oki had a basket he was carrying. And the Cajun said to him, he said, uh, what do you got in that basket? And uh, the Oki said, fish. And the Cajun said, well, uh, if I guess how many fish you got in that basket, will you give me one of them? And the Elkie said, well, I'll, I'll be glad to give you one of, one of them. Uh, you know, he said, uh, in fact, he said, I'll give you both of them. Uh, and <laughs> the, the uh, Cajun said, five. <laughs> and the Elkie said, you missed it by two. Uh, well, you know, we all have our idiosyncrasies uh, about uh, the way we live and talk and do and everything. But the end of that story is uh, uh, at times when I, first of all, when I would come back to Louisiana for a visit, some of the people uh, in Louisiana would say, well, you know, tell me about those Okies from Muskogee. Uh, are they all cowgirls or all cowboys? And so I guess it uh, was turnabout there and all. But uh, the end of that story is that uh, I did come back to Louisiana in 1985 and uh, went to uh, the Benton Church. And uh, uh, subsequently, I finally, uh, a roundabout way, made my way to Asbury. And for over 30 years, I've been here uh, at Asbury. Um, and I, but but the, what I'm trying to get around to saying is that everywhere I've been, the people have been kind and gracious. They have uh, inspired us. They have encouraged us. They've loved us uh, through whatever we might be going through, sorrows, joys, uh, sufferings, uh, uh, just all the things that go along with with life and um, I, I think in terms of uh, um, the uh, church that you see up there on the uh, screen that church is the Columbia United Methodist Church that my dad was pastor of and we moved there in 1950 uh, now you might do some math and see about how old I am but uh, I was about five years old at the time and um, the, um, that church is unique. If you're ever driving between Monroe and Alexandria on Highway 165, you'll pass through Columbia and you'll look to your left. Well, you can't miss it. You're going to see this church on the left as you drive through Columbia. It's the most unique and remarkable 
church structure I've ever been a part of uh, in all the, the 13 churches I've been a part of, United Methodist churches um, and all. But uh, it, you know, it brings back so many good memories with me and all, and, and part of which is why I love the church. Uh, the list is long. Uh, the church has given me a, a, a wonderful upbringing. It uh, has given me a, a, a great education. It's given me a relevant theology. Uh, it's given me a, a, a mission and a, a purpose and a meaning and all. And uh, it's uh, also given me a, a call to a ministry of teaching and comforting. And all, and so it's uh, it really is is there are just so many things, uh, but up to this morning I want to focus on just three of them. And the first one is this: the church introduced me to a Christian lifestyle. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, I mean that what I talk about, you talk about on Sunday is not a whole lot different from what you talk about on Thursday and Friday. In other words, we talk a pretty good game on Sunday. But what I'm talking about is our faith should be, and we strive for it to be, a living faith. A faith that, uh, as the old saying goes, we walk, we walk the walk. Um, the uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 uh, has a relevant verse for this and Paul writes in there uh, be kind to one another he says uh, tender hearted be forgiving of one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you and that that goes beyond Sunday doesn't it that's every day we have those kinds of opportunities I want to uh, to illustrate this I want to read you a letter that uh, a church staff member uh, received. I'm not going to mention any names and all and all at, at all. But uh, the uh, it goes like this: Dear, I'm not a member of your church and have never met you. I've seen you and your spouse eating at a local restaurant this spring. You showed an interest in my five-year-old son, David. Your kindness and tenderness touched my heart. When we saw you there, David was scheduled to have his third heart surgery. He was born with multiple heart defects and his survival was uncertain. His cardiologist said David would have a 60% chance of living to the age of 15 if he lived long enough to receive all his needed surgeries. When you showed an interest in David that day, I felt that God was showing me he was watching over my son. David had his surgery in May, and although there were complications, he made a complete recovery, and his prognosis is excellent. He's enjoying a healthy and normal childhood. Sometimes when a parent has worried about his or her child for so many years, it's wonderful to feel God's love and support through another's act of kindness. With great gratitude. For the church, that's at least part, it's a big part of what we're all about. Uh, that's what Asbury strives to do and to be. Now, none of us are perfect. None of us have reached that state of perfection in all of this. 
But you know, the important thing is that we're moving in that direction. And we try to, we try to do that. Uh, and uh, so um, if you, you know, I, we come through that lobby out front so often that sometimes we don't even look around and see what's out there. But on the wall, as you enter, there's our church mission statement. You know what it is? It's bringing hope, okay? It's building faith and reaching out to others in love. And so that's, you know, we do that not just on Sunday, but in each day of the week. Edgar Guest said it best in a poem. He said, I'd rather see a sermon any day than hear one any day. He said, I'd rather you walk with me than merely lead the way. And so that's the first thing that I think of when I say I love the church because it introduced me to a Christian lifestyle. The second thing that it introduced me to is that uh, it introduced me to the power of hope. And, um, you know, there's so much we could say about this, but uh, G.K. Chesterton, a, a minister of another generation, said, uh, that, you know, that hope is not hope unless everything is hopeless. Think about that a moment. Hope is not hope unless everything is hopeless. You know, I might hope that uh, the, uh, uh, it's not going to rain today before I get home. And there's not much of a chance, not a cloud in the sky out there, I don't think, right now. You know, I guess you could say that's a form of hope, but it's not that deep down hope when things are really tough and you don't see your way out, but yet you still can, can have hope. Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, uh, put it this way in chapter 29, verse 11. He said, uh, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not your harm. And watch this. And plans for a future with hope. You know, hope is such a great thing here. And uh, I want to tell you two stories that illustrate this so well, I think. Um, some of you know what a homebound teacher is. Most school systems have teachers like that that uh, don't teach in the regular classroom, but they go to students who are homebound or in the hospital for an extended period of time so that they don't get too far behind. Well, this one particular homebound teacher had been given an assignment to go see a boy that was in the hospital. She got his room number and all of that, and she stopped by the school to talk with his teacher to see what they were working on and what she wanted to be emphasized when she was uh, talking to the boy. And the teacher told the uh, homebound teacher that, um, well, we're working on nouns and adverbs, and I really am glad you're doing this because I don't want him to get so far behind. And so she gathered her things and went on to the hospital and uh, walked into the room where the uh, boy was a patient, and she was just shocked when she saw the, the boy because no one had told her that he had been badly burned and he was all wrapped up and, and all. He was not very responsive to her. Uh, and uh, she didn't know well, how in the world, what am I going to do? 
to help this boy and all. So nouns and adverbs, well, okay. And she did her best and she left that day thinking, well, I know <laughs> I didn't make much of a dent. Maybe next time I'll, I'll do better. Well, a couple of days when it was time for her to go back again, uh, she was stopped in the hall by one of the nurses. And she said, what did you do to that boy? And she said, oh, well, I don't, you know, she started apologizing, thought she had done something wrong. And the nurse said, no, no, uh, it, it's not that. Uh, since you were here the other day, his whole attitude has changed. Uh, he's uh, responding to treatment and he's acting like he really wants to get well. Uh, and so the teacher said, well, I don't know what I did, nouns and adverbs. Uh, but she went in for the lesson for that day and she did, did so and, and on and on for several weeks there. And it, she went the last time to see him before it was about time for him to be discharged because he had truly gotten much better. And she just flat out, she said, what do you think it is that changed your attitude about um, getting well and, and, and all? And he said, well, uh, it's kind of like this, he said. He said, they wouldn't send a teacher to teach about nouns and adverbs to a dying boy, would they? Nouns and adverbs to a dying boy. You see, that's what I was talking about a minute ago. And it's a great thing about hope that it's, in his case, it, his case was hopeless in his mind. He thought he was going to die. But something, nouns and adverbs in this case, gave him hope to get better and all. Uh, it is a great, one of the greatest things about the church that we have the hope and that we have, we always have the hope that we have something to look forward to in the church, uh, that uh, God is going to be with us, that, that there, as the scripture says, that nothing can separate us, not even death, from the love of God. You know, and we have that promise, we have that hope. Now, I'm not a connoisseur of art by any stretch of the imagination, but um, every now and then I'll see a painting or a picture that really grabs my attention and sort of has, it's, has a clear message for me. I want to paint the picture in your mind if I can. Picture this picture that I saw that did that for me was uh, of a poverty-stricken Appalachian shack in the mountains. Got it? And uh, the, uh, apparently the shack has burned down because the, and the ashes are just still smoldering, smoke rising from them. The only thing left standing is an old chimney. In front of the smoldering ruins is an old grandfatherly looking man who's wearing nothing but his underwear. I guess that's the artist wanted us to think that that's all he got out of the house with. Uh, and next to him is a six or seven year old little boy who is just sobbing, holding on to a patched pair of overall, coveralls. Um, 
the uh, it's, it seems at first to be a picture of despair until you read the caption that the artist has put at the bottom of the picture. And it's a simple phrase, but it is a profound theology and philosophy. And he says, hush, child, God ain't dead. Hush, child, God ain't dead. Instead of a picture of despair, it becomes a picture of hope. And, uh, you know, and I think about that with our situation, you know, uh, as long as God ain't dead, you know, we have hope no matter what our situation is. And I, I need to have every now and then mental pictures of that and uh, that uh, all is not lost as long as God is alive, as long as the church is alive. So that's the second one, and that is that I love the church because it introduced me to the power of hope. The last thing is this. I love the church because it introduced me to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but everything that Asbury does, remember now we're not always perfect, but everything that we strive to do is built around the person of Jesus. You know, when you think about our worship services, we're here this morning because of Jesus. Uh, our small group meetings, Sunday school meetings on Sunday morning, um, our um, Bible study groups that meet during the week, um, our support groups, our prayer groups, our youth groups, our children's groups, uh, when we uh, build houses, uh, when we build wheelchair ramps, uh, all of these and more are built around the idea of Jesus uh, and all. And so uh, the, um, sometimes we can just, here I come, I go, I come, I go, and maybe we, we forget that a little bit. But, I, you know, that's one of the things that I love about the church is that it, it does uh, remind us of what we are to be all about, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, Reverend John Price was uh, an Episcopal priest in Houston most of his uh, uh, career. And uh, during his later years, uh, if you want to look him up, he's quite a fascinating per person of all the things that, that he's done in, in a ministry capacity during his life and all. But in his retirement years, for quite a few of those years, he was a chaplain at uh, one of the uh, large hospitals in Houston. And um, he, um, uh, being a chaplain, you know, he, people would tell him their concerns and things of that nature. Um, but he found that every now and then he would have someone who expressed to him that they had had a near-death experience. So he wrote a book about it. He included 39 such cases of actual people that he had dealt with in the hospital. Some of them talked about out-of-body experiences. Some of them talked about bright lights. Some of them talked about uh, peace and serenity. Um, but this one that I'm going to tell you about 
to me, top them all. Uh, one Sunday when Reverend Price uh, was uh, conducting a church service, uh, there was a, a baptism of a seven-week-old little girl. And uh, the next day after that Sunday, the next day the mother was feeding her daughter when the little girl suddenly went limp with no sign of life. Well, she screamed for her husband to come. She gave her daughter a mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. They rushed him to the hospital, the same hospital she had been born in seven weeks earlier. And uh, fortunately, uh, the hospital staff was able to do a great job, and uh, the baby was uh, gotten to where she was breathing again, and by the next day, she was well enough to go home. Um, but I want you to fast forward now four years, and one day the mother and now the now four-year-old little girl is driving through Houston, and they pass the hospital where she had been born and taken to the emergency room. She passed the hospital there, and the little girl said, Look, Mommy, that's the building where Jesus came to get me and brought me back. Her mother was stunned and as quickly as she could, she pulled over to the side of the road. She said, what did you say? She said, that's the building where Jesus came to get me and brought me back. Well, here's the amazing part of this story. After that Sunday baptism, they had never been back to church again. Um, they had never, either parent, Neither parent had ever said anything to that child about Jesus. They hadn't taken her to Sunday school and dropped her off or something like that at any time. They hadn't done anything spiritual that would lead this child to have any knowledge of Jesus. Hadn't been to church. But let me tell you something. They do to go to church now. Uh, and uh, the uh, and so I, when we think about a story like that, I don't have a scientific explanation for it. I, I don't understand how that could happen, except maybe to say that with God all things are possible. Uh, except to say that uh, God is always with us, whether we're seeing him or whether we're even aware of him, God is with us. Uh, and so when we think about this, uh, you, know, you know, the fact that Jesus is always with us and we, we sit, you sit here this morning, I stand here this morning in worship of Jesus Christ. Uh, and during the week that we do things, hopefully, either through what we say or for what, by what we do that would be an honor to him by the example that we're setting. And that even we may get to the point where we tell someone about this person of Jesus. Uh, King David in Psalm 121st chapter, the first verse, maybe this is why, maybe he felt the way that I feel. Because he said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, this day. Uh, let us go into the house of the Lord. 
The good news of all of this, what I've been saying this morning, the idea that that I love the church because it, it, it introduced me to a Christian lifestyle, to the power of hope, and it introduced me to Jesus. Uh, I go back to our scripture about that house built on a solid foundation. Every one of these reasons I love the church are also reasons that the church has a solid foundation. Indeed, they're the reason that Asbury has a solid foundation. And so when, when we have all of these things, you know, I can say, I don't care how much money you have, how much money I have, that we are rich. We are rich indeed. Rich in the things that matter the most. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.